in all of the search for a vaccine that is not ethically tainted, people have been wondering where do we go? Catholics especially have been very concerned about the abortion-tainted nature of COVID vaccines. Not only COVID vaccines, vaccines generally. Uh, most of them, in fact, are abortion-tainted. How do we get out of this? Would you believe it? We have found a researcher that has been working on a solution to make ethical replacements for these aborted baby cell lines and yet has found a lack of interest, if you can believe it, from bishops and the Vatican. We're going to talk to him now. Stay tuned. Dr. Alan Moy, welcome to the John Henry Weston Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, Dr. Alan Moy, you are a researcher. You are a Catholic yourself. Um, tell us what you've been doing. I have two organizations. One is I'm the co-founder of a biotech company called Southern Engineering Technologies. We're located here in Coralville, Iowa. And also, um, I founded um, at, uh, at the same time the John Paul II Medical Research Institute. And that organization is a nonprofit. And its mission is to develop um, um, cell lines and therapies that are consistent with the Catholic Church's teaching. So we don't perform embryonic stem cell research. We uh, develop technologies that avoid using aborted fetal cell lines in medical research. So right now, the Institute, which I'll talk mostly about, um, has been really focusing on developing alternative human cell lines that are ethical, consistent with the Catholic Church's teaching, that can be used to replace the cell lines like the HEK-293 and the PERC-6, which is you have uh, talked about in your podcast and for Lifestyle News, are used um, in the production of the current uh, um, COVID-19 vaccines. But more, moreover, they have been used for decades for um, wider uses for uh, biologics, uh, gene therapy, um, vaccines, and also for cell therapies. And this is a, a global multi-billion dollar business for the pharmaceutical industry. And it's a, a major threat to the uh, viability of the Catholic healthcare system. This is incredible to me. One of the things we talked about before we began was that You've been doing this for years. Uh, you've tried to reach out to Bishop's Conference, uh, to the Vatican even, but you've found a lack of interest. It's, that's incredible to me all by itself. But how about now? Now that this is being foisted upon the whole world, now that Catholics everywhere, I think a lot of Catholics for the very first time learned about aborted fetal cell lines, that they were in vaccines at all, and yet you've still found a kind of disinterest from the Vatican and from the U.S. bishops? Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, we have been speaking for years to the, the, the Vatican, uh, communicating to 
uh, fairly high level uh, individuals there. Um, also to USCCB, to uh, Catholic hospitals, uh, corporations, um, and major Catholic foundations, um, trying to warn them about that this problem um, is going to be extremely detrimental to um, to the viability of Catholic healthcare. And uh, even to this day, um, there is uh, very little interest in, in helping to uh, produce a, what I call, what I think is important, a pro-life biotechnology industry sector, which we need uh, to definitively address longstanding problems in the pharmaceutical industry. Let's get into this a little bit because some of the terms you used are probably unfamiliar to most. So uh, you, you talked about, yes, aborted fetal cell lines like uh, HEK293, PERC6, and others are used. They're used in vaccines, most vaccines, in fact. But you also mentioned biologics. What are biologics? So biologics are protein drugs. So they are antibodies. Uh, they can be enzymes. And for um, most of the biologics that are produced, um, um, they use various different cells. Most commonly, they use animal mammalian cells out of uh, hamsters. Uh, and about 50% of those are produced out of that particular cell line. So there's no ethical issue. But in about 20 to 25% of, of these biologics, they are being produced using the HEK293 cell. And so that is um, a challenge for a lot of Catholic scientists who are in the, in the scientific field. Uh, this is a problem for patients where their drug, uh, this particular biologic, is being produced for them. So if you're a, a cystic fibrosis patient or a patient with hemophilia, um, you have to use a drug produced out of the HEK293. If you are a, if you are doing any type of viral work where you need to produce uh, uh, viral particles in medical research, um, you are using the HEK293. So this is a, this is a problem for not just for patients but for Catholic scientists um, and at all levels. Um, where if you're doing any type of viral research, you cannot get away from the 293 cell line. It's incredible. It's the same reason why uh, one of my interviewees, researcher Pamela Acker, left because she couldn't do that ethically. She couldn't do that in conscience. And uh, she had to quit the research she was doing at Catholic University of America. Uh, so this is a, a vast problem. Give us an idea of how vast the use of these aborted fetal cell lines are in medicine. So the HEK293 and the PERC6 is used in about 20 to 30% of uh, in the production. So you're talking about globally um, a, a hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, if you're talking about uh, viral, uh, viral research, 100% of, of all of the viral uh, research requires the 293. If you're doing gene, gene therapy, um, 100% of gene therapy are using the 293. Uh, if you're trying to, if you're a patient who has um, a blood cancer and you're going to 
can be considered for what are called CAR-T therapies. Uh, these are specialized cell therapies that are used in the treatment of uh, hemopoietic cancers. 100% of those therapies are using the AGK-293 cell line. So um, it, it is ubiquitous. Uh, it is pervasive. Um, and so the COVID-19 COVID um, has now educated Catholics about its existence. But for years, um, you know, most uh, Catholics weren't unaware what the 293 cell line was. Exactly. In fact, I, I remember reporting on it already over a decade ago, and, and people honestly thought we were uh, fake news uh, for suggesting it. Now, it has applications uh, beyond even medicine. Um, they're actually using aborted fetal cell lines, I've heard, in other products as well, in, at least in testing. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? There is some thoughts that the 293 is used in cosmetic testing. The problem is um, it's very difficult uh, within the, some of these industries to know to what degree they're used in, in, in performing routine cosmetic testing. Uh, so, any types of, uh, so any type of, say, toxicology testing, uh, the 293 could be used. Uh, the problem is it's very difficult to track to the extent that the pharmaceutical industry are using the 293 because it's just not well published. Okay, so we've got a ubiquitous, pervasive uh, problem in that this is abortion tainted and this is all over the place. Now you're proposing a solution to that. Go a little bit into that, not overly scientific, but give us a little taste of what you're doing that's different so that uh, we can get to an ethical uh, cell line, human cell line. What we are been working on for some time is to develop the technical the technical foundation to replace these cell lines. So first, um, there are um, actually good um, scientific reasons to replace the two ninety three, um, outs notwithstanding the moral issue, but the two ninety three. Uh, has a lot of problems, one of which is not even human anymore. It's, um, it has, uh, it's been so mutated to the extent that it has 50% more chromosomes than a, nor than a normal human cell. So the, the, the cell has, was originally produced 50 years ago using methods to, be, to what we call immortalize, that is to allow it to grow indefinitely. And so after 50 years of being around and growing to a large extent, this, this cell line um, has a, a lot of problems in terms of uh, being able to provide reproducibility, reproducibility in producing products, reproducibility in um, trying to reproduce uh, uh, research results. And so this is a problem that if you talk to scientists, they will complain about the 293 cell line. And so there hasn't been a lot of innovation over the last half century to replace the 293 cell line. So what we have done is based on our stem cell background, um, we're looking at a potential candidate cells, stem cells that are readily available um, from newborn deliveries that, that can be reproduced that can be genetically engineered and modified so that it, they can serve 
to replace the function of the 293 for a variety of different or the same application that the 293 cell line is offering. So what we have done is uh, taken some uh, stem cells from postnatal cord blood and from placenta tissue. We have uh, used um, some more up-to-date genetic methods called CRISPR, um, where we have made very pinpoint targeted modifications so that these cells will grow longer than their original parental cell lines and they will grow faster so that they can be used for the same applications. And so we've done this at a, at a, um, a small uh, production level. And what we are, our company and our nonprofit are, are working towards is ultimately to uh, create a new operation that will produce large-scale manufacturing of these cell lines that could be used for all the biomanufacturing products and medicines that are currently out there. So where we can be using those for in-house for our own uh, drug development, but also offer uh, these cell lines for other scientists and other pharmaceutical industries to hopefully they will adopt, uh, not just because of the because of the moral issue, but because they uh, should offer scientific advantages to the 293. Right. I find it hard to imagine that this is going on. The disinterest is particularly disturbing because even if you take it that in 2005, the Vatican put out a document allowing for this somehow with, you know, some look at remote material cooperation and the allowance of such for that. Even there, though, and in the 2008 document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith that basically repeated it, they talk about demanding ethical alternatives and only using it as a last resort. And yet, here you are trying to make that ethical alternative, and the bishops and the Vatican have turned a blind eye or stopped their ears. Unbelievable. Um Tell people where they can get a hold of you, where they can get a hold of your research uh, and find out about what you're doing. People can go to the, the John Paul II Medical Research Institute's website. Um, that is jp2mri.org. And they can learn what we're doing. Um, they can sign up on our uh, newsletters they, and uh, keep abreast on the research activities. And also they can donate online through our website. Great. Dr. Alan Moy, thank you for what you're doing, for trying to get to an ethical alternative for us all. Um, Any parting word for us? I appreciate the opportunity to give us a platform to speak, let Catholics know what's the nature of the problem, Uh, let them know that there are uh, solutions that Catholics are working on uh, to solve these problems. Um, And so I think there is hope in the future um, uh, to eventually address uh, a problem that is vexing um, the Catholic religious market. Dr. Ellen Moy, thanks for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Well, thank you. God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure 
that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.